And in, in, and in the midst of the Christmas story, there are all these really wonderful, heartwarming songs. There's everything from the, from the fun, which we heard some of that, to some of the most moving and, and even some of the most sacred. And we all tend to have our, our favorite Christmas song, don't we? And it, 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 it runs, oh, from everything from Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. If that's your favorite, I'm here today to pray for you. <laughs> to that, that timeless and quintessential Christmas song, Silent Night. Silent Night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. It's a great song. However, in reality, it it doesn't really communicate what that night was all about. We, we know this because in, in Luke's account, he tells us this, that, that as the shepherds are there watching over their flock by night, that the angel of the Lord appeared before them, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were frightened. Then the angel told them, you don't have to be afraid because today... The Savior is born. And in the midst of that, it tells us that suddenly, some translations put it this way, a, a great company, some translations put it this way, a multitude, a multitude of heavenly hosts began to sing. So the night in which our Savior was born, it was no ordinary night, and it was no silent night. In fact, that night wasn't the end of, or what wasn't the, the, a, a silent night in itself. It was, the, it was the end of really a lot of silent nights. Because you see, the gospel story, the story of Jesus, it, it starts in, in the book of Matthew. It tells us this in, in Matthew chapter 1. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph was her husband, and he was a righteous man. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Then it says something very profound. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It, it, it all happened to fulfill what God had spoken through the prophet. And this takes place on, on this night, on this eventful night. And yet, on the night before, and the night before, and the night before. Well, to understand the night before, the night before, and the night before, we, we need to go back in time 400 years. Because friends, from the beginning of Jesus' story, if we travel back to the last time God spoke, this, this one page in your Bible, it, it represents 400 years. 
See, when Malachi wrote, Malachi 1-2, and the Lord said, I love you. More, more than I love you, he says, I have loved you, I love you, and I will love you. Malachi writes his, his four-chapter prophetic statement. And when Malachi puts down his pen, God becomes silent. For 400 years, there's no prophets, there's no prophecy, there's, there's no statement from God, there's, there's no seemingly God activity. And it's in, it's in this one page in between the Old Testament and the New Testament that, that we, we have to have understanding this morning. Because it, it, it is in that silence that a great truth can be understood. A great truth should be understood. And a great truth that speaks to so many of us where we are today because for a lot of us, there are those moments in our life, and in fact, it's quite possible that, that you've, you've come to church this morning or, or you're, you're joining us via social media this morning. And, and you're, in, you're in a season where it, it seems like God's silent. Maybe for you, it, it seems like God has gone dormant in your life. Or, or maybe for you, it, it seems like God is, is answering the prayers of everyone around you, but not you. Or, or, or maybe for you, it, it seems like God has left you. Or, or, or quite possibly, you find yourself questioning even the very existence of God this morning. Well, God has brought you here to His house, friend, to answer this question of what happens in those moments when God is silent. And, and let me do this. I want to unpack this for you, but, but I, I want to I skip to the end for a moment because I want you to grasp this understanding. Just because God is silent doesn't mean He's absent. Let me say that again. Just because God is silent doesn't mean He's absent. Let me, let me illustrate. I, I'd like, if the tech king can help me, bring up the house lights, please. Malachi writes his prophetic statement in 400 BC. It is a time and period where God's children have experienced a lot. They, they've gone through being a superpower themselves in the time of David and the time of Solomon. Because of their rebellious disposition, they are conquered first by the Babylonians and then by the Persians. And so they've lived for a considerable amount of time in captivity, and even though under Persia, a group of them are allowed to go back to Jerusalem and engage in the rebuilding of the walls and, and re, re, the rebuilding of Jerusalem proper, they're still under foreign rule. And, and, it's, and it's this, in this season, it's in this time that Malachi writes his prophetic statement and God's declaration to us, I have loved you, I love you, and I will love you. And then, silence. 
so, so what's, what's happening in that period of silence? What's God doing and what's the message for us? Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced of this, friend. This morning, even if you struggle with the validity of the Word of God, as you see what God is doing in those 400 years, I'm convinced that it's going to speak powerfully into your understanding of who God is and His available to you today, that you can lean into God in those moments of silence, that you can lean into, into God in those moments where He seems to be dormant in your life. And I'm convinced of this, that this morning that we will have this firm understanding that Jesus just because it appears that God is silent, He is not absent. Because there are three major things that happen. I want you to notice them. I want you to, I want you to see them this morning. In 360 B.C., in 360 B.C., there is this man named Philip, Philip of Macedon, who comes to power, and Philip of Macedon is able to put together a, 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 group of, a group of nations in a coalition that we now know, that we now understand as Greece. And Philip, Philip of Macedon begins to establish his kingdom. In 336 BC, Philip of Macedon is succeeded by his Son, And you might not know Philip of Macedon, but I guarantee you, you know something of his son. He was a young man, a 20-year-old man named Alexander. And Alexander was the greatest military strategist in the known world up until that point. In fact, some people say he's the greatest military strategist of all time, even today. And Alexander the Great conquered all of the known world at that time. In fact, he, he dies only 13 years later. Before he dies, though, he makes this statement. You may remember this from history class. He says this, I am depressed because there are no known worlds left to conquer. But Alexander does something else that is profoundly significant. And here's what he does. Not too long before he dies, he issues a decree that everyone in his kingdom would learn and speak one common language. The reason that he does this is to where when he gives a decree, it doesn't have to be interpreted. He wants everyone to know and everyone to understand. What is that language that he decrees that everyone in all of the known worlds, what is a language they are to speak? It's this language known as Koine Greek. What is the significance of that to us today? Well, if you open up your Bible and, and, and you, you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we buy Bibles today that that is written in English. Some of us today that are here, we buy, we buy Bibles and that, that, that New Testament, it is written in Spanish. But friends, that was not the original language of the New Testament. The original language of the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. Why? Because it was the common language of the entire known world at the time. Alexander passes away. The Greek empire faces massive turmoil because of civil wars. And in time, it is replaced with another superpower, the Romans. 
And the Romans do two things that are vitally important. One, the Romans establish military peace. And what this does is it allows folks to freely travel from one part to another part of their massive kingdom, their massive empire. From one nation to another nation, you could travel freely. They also develop an incredible, complex, well-organized, well-developed infrastructure system called the Roman Road. And they make it to where you can easily travel anywhere in their vast empire. And it is at this point in history, it takes 400 years, 400 years it takes for the people in the known world to speak a common language. It takes 400 years to establish a system by which people can travel freely. It takes 400 years to develop the infrastructure toward that free travel is easy. And in that moment, it is in that moment in history that God says, now, now, Roughly sometime around 4 BC, God says, now. Now, the people have a common language where they can understand. The people have the ability to travel freely so the message of the Messiah can travel. There's infrastructure that allows it to happen. God says, now. This is the reason why that angelic host, that massive angelic choir on the night that Jesus was born turned what was initially yet another of 400 years of silent nights into a night that was silent no more. It was, it was a, a moment that they had been waiting for and anticipating for silent night after silent night after silent night after silent year after silent year after silent year, silent decade, silent century. And yet, in that silence, friend, this is what God was doing. It is, it is very much like when you, when you go and you see a play. At the end of Act One, the, the curtain comes down. And, and, for you in the audience, it seems like nothing is happening. But, but behind the curtain, the, the, the set is being changed. The, the stage is being reorganized. The, the major players are being repositioned. And in that time, from Malachi to Matthew, here's what God is doing. He is reorganizing and reestablishing the stage upon which his message is to be shared. He is resetting. He's providing. The pause for the moment that would change the world forever. And so it, it is in a In a stable in Bethlehem that the, that the curtain comes back up. That the silence 
is broken. But in those moments of silence, God was certainly not absent, and He definitely was not dormant. So, we see the activity of God. And, and, and if, if we can embrace this truth, this, this reality that just because it seems like God is silent, He's not absent, the, the question for us then is, what is our response? What do, what do we do in, in, those, in those moments where, where it seems like there's a, a distance between us and God, in those moments when it, it seems like God is answering other people's prayers but not ours, in, in those moments where it seems like it's taking 400 years for God to respond to the needs in my life, God, you are incredibly late. In those moments when it's easy for us to question, even if God exists. Here's what we have the opportunity to do, to lean in, to lean in to His promises, and to be confident in His presence. To lean in to His promises and to be confident in His presence, because God always has a purpose for the silence. Let me say that again. God always has a purpose for the silence. You find yourself here this morning and and you're in that season recognize it is not by accident that you're here this morning. It's by design. You have, even, even this week, you have, you have cried out to God in seemingly desperation, and you've asked the question, God, are you even there? He brought you here this morning to give to you this word that just because I'm silent, don't mistake that for my absence. You're, you're here this morning and, and you say, God, I, I, used to, I used to have this strong connection with you, but now it seems like there's nothing. He brought you here this morning to say, do not confuse the silence with absence. Trust me. Lean in to those moments and recognize the activity of God. Father, I, I pray this morning. I pray this morning that you would bring a strong reality of who you are to each one of us today. And God, for those of us that are here this morning, and Silent Night is the, is the anthem of our moment. It's the song of our day. God, I ask that you would do this. Number one, 
that you would allow us to see, to understand your activity even in this season of our life. Thank you, God, that you're, that you're giving us an understanding, a spiritual understanding, and a spiritual courage to embrace your presence and to grab hold of your promises even in the midst of those silent moments, knowing that in our time, in our day, in our moment, that there is, there is coming a point where all of heaven will come alive. And all of creation will engage. And we will rejoice. So God, I, I thank you. God, I thank you for, I thank you for the activity that takes place in the silence. And I thank you, God, for the confident assurance that you are there even in those moments that we cannot see. Friend, if, if you're here this morning and you have, you have questioned whether or not God exists. He's brought you here today to answer that question. If, if you've come here this morning and you've, you've wondered if, if your life journey has, has taken you too far to experience God's hand or to hear His voice, He, he has brought you here today to step into the silence and to powerfully answer and bring understanding to those questions. If you're here today and it, it seems like God is moving so, so slow in, in the challenges and the issues of your life, God has brought you here to bring to you this powerful understanding that just as the birth of the babe in the Bethlehem manger was at the exact perfect place in time, his timing and his activity in your life is absolutely spot-on perfect. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at 
calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening, and God bless.